Richard Scolia is a melanoma pathologist, a world leader. He's co-director of the Melanoma Institute of Australia. And he and his co-director, Professor Georgina Long, have been pioneering neoadjuvant immunotherapy, which is immune therapy given before surgery and before radiotherapy. It's not yet approved, but results are good. Now, Professor Scolia is himself a guinea pig for that approach for glioblastoma. He was diagnosed with grade 4 in June. It is generally regarded as a death sentence, the worst of the worst, but he is an experiment and he joins me now. How's it going? Hi, Ken. Lovely to speak to you. Lovely to speak to you. How are you? I need to ask you, how are you? I'm actually going pretty well, all things considered. Um, yeah, I, I was I was um, in Poland in late May and um, I'd been lecturing at a conference there that was being put on by a mate of mine who, who used to be at Harvard, but he went to medical school in Krakow in Poland and the day after the conference had finished, my wife, was at, who's also a doctor, was actually travelling with me. We went up and climbed some mountains and then the next day I had a seizure and and eventually some scans which showed I had a, a tumour in my brain. Um, and, yeah, that has turned out to be a, a subtype of glioblastoma, which is the worst of the worst as far as brain cancers go. And it's incurable um, and the standard treatment hasn't changed in 18 years. And, you know, I think about what we've done in, in melanoma. Australia and New Zealand have the highest rates of melanoma anywhere in the world. And um, 15 years ago, the prognosis for people who had advanced stage melanoma was was dismal. If you if you had advanced stage, then less than five percent of people were alive five years later. And because of um, discoveries that we've led at Melanoma Institute Australia, which is the largest melanoma treatment and research centre in the world, the prognosis has changed. So more than fifty five percent of people are alive five years later, and. So when it came to being diagnosed with an incurable cancer, which treatment hadn't changed in 18 years, it didn't sit right with me and it didn't sit right with Georgina. And, you know, thanks to her leadership, we've we've um, decided to try the discoveries that we've made in melanoma hadn't been tried in, in brain cancer in the same way. So, yeah, that's what I've been... Well, that's what's happened for me. And we've already generated some some exciting scientific data, but don't know whether it will change my long-term prognosis. So that's the sort of long and the short of it. Yes, yes. Um, As Professor Long explained it, the idea is that if the cancer is left in situ, and this is the approach that that you've been using with the melanoma, the immune immune system... Sorry, keep going. Well, the immune system is better able to see the enemy and weaponize against it that that's exactly right kim so we we know from our work in melanoma that if you give immunotherapy which are, are drugs that 
activate the immune system to recognize the tumor, they work better if you give them whilst the tumor is on board because there's more tumor there to, for the immune system to be activated against. And we've proven it's more effective in melanoma to, to give it while the tumor is on board. And this has never been tried with combination immunotherapy uh, in brain cancer before. Um, but it seemed like the right thing to do to us to to give it the best chance of it, it working. Um, so that's what we've tried. And and so what happened was I had an open brain biopsy to get some tissue out that would allow us to make a confident diagnosis that, that I had this subtype of, of um, glioblastoma, which is called IDH wild type and has a whole heap of molecular adverse prognostic features, which puts it in the worst of the worst. But to, to try the immunotherapy up front and then we negotiated with the with the neurosurgeon that that I've worked with for for more than a decade and um she was keen to to give it a crack and um and to delay the surgical resection by um 16 days she was a little bit nervous about this because a sub a, a subgroup of tumors can take off even within a couple of weeks and it could have gone from from bad to worse but um thankfully that didn't happen and when the tumor was excised 16 days after the operation we saw incredible things so the number of immune cells that were in the tumor went up tenfold the types of immune cells that were in the tumor were activated against the tumor and we're also able to, to show that the um, the immunotherapy had crossed the blood-brain barrier and was attached to tumor cells, uh, uh, I'm sorry, lymphocytes as well as the tumor cells. So we were told initially that the drugs can't cross the so-called blood-brain barrier, but that doesn't sit right with us. We've proven in melanoma that they do, and indeed that's how it panned out. So... Um, it's quite exciting. It doesn't mean that for me, uh, my outlook will be prolonged. I'll survive longer, but it is exciting that there's scientific knowledge that, that's showing that these drugs are having an effect on my tumor. So fingers crossed it, it, um, turns into some, um, miracle and, and my life is, is prolonged. And yeah, I guess a, a very small chance that I'll, I'll be cured, but it's worth a crack in my view and see if we can make a difference. And, and in, in effect, it's all, it's blown open the brain cancer field because this has never been tried in brain cancer before. And, and I know that we've been actually been asked to speak at a conference in a couple of weeks time to show what we've done. And I know that some biopharmaceutical companies that got a bit of my brain and they're blown blown away by the data and and what needs to happen is clinical trials need to be um done using these therapies in a in a large group of um, patients to prove that it works and and ultimately that's how clinical care is is um changed to, to try and improve outcomes for patients you mean but clinical trials on on other people with with glioblastoma that's exactly right, Kim. You, to prove a, a therapy works, that's what you need to do, and 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 this hasn't been done before. Why hasn't it been tried on brain cancer before? I know you talked about the blood-brain well, barrier. Why, why didn't that stop the treatment working with you? 
Yeah, well, well, we know that it, when you have a tumor, the uh, a so-called blood-brain barrier isn't there, so it didn't didn't sit right with with us to to go down this route. In, in effect, what we've discovered in melanoma, which has transformed the disease, is now being used in other cancers. So, for example, lung cancer, renal cell cancer, various head and neck cancers, and it's improved through clinical trials in those cancers, which we pioneered in melanoma, has improved the outcomes. But it hasn't been tried in brain cancer early on. It's been tried at the end of the the standard therapy that basically doesn't cure anyone. Um, It's for people with the subtype of, of glioblastoma that I've got. And, um, and and we know when you give it after radiotherapy, after chemotherapy, which are the standard treatments for glioblastoma, that it's not going to work because um, the, the drugs that are given chemotherapy and usually for brain cancer patients, some, some corticosteroids which dampen down the immune system, that immunotherapy is not going to change the, the outlook for patients. So the clinical trials that have been done using immunotherapy in brain cancer have only been done for patients who've had recurrent disease. So not upfront like what I've had um, uh, and and not before surgery, which we call neoadjuvant immunotherapy, and and as I say, we've proven it's more effective in melanoma. So, yeah, worth a crack in my view, and um, and and the scientific data we've generated so far um, seems to to, to to make us excited that um, potentially this will improve outcomes for for brain cancer patients. I can see that the negotiation with the neurosurgeon that you mentioned might have been quite tricky because it's counterintuitive right you want to you want to take that cancer out yeah well uh, it, to be honest the, the surgeon is is associate professor brinda shivalingam and someone that that we've worked closely with for more than a decade and she was excited when we um brought this to the table um she had seen the discoveries we'd made in melanoma which had transformed the disease she was excited about um, giving it a crack, um, but to get the the neuro oncology team on board, it, it took a bit of work. And my wife and I had to write long letters to explain that we were we understood the risks. And I guess as as a, a world leader in the field, and I know what the risks are. And um, we put these letters together, and 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 then um, the neuro oncology team you know, gradually got on board and were happy to support this as a plan. And, and now, you know, people are, are are more on board and excited about what we're doing. So, yeah, there's a great team of people who now now um, supporting this, this path and, um, yeah, a bit scared, to be honest, about what might happen. There are certainly some risks. There's risks that it could, could have shortened my life more quickly. So I was told my prognosis was about nine months and, yeah, there's a risk that it could could go badly and my life would end more um, more quickly or indeed my life expectancy wouldn't change but I'd be left with side effects which would make the remaining time I've got um, dismal but but yeah anyway we, we, what we've done from my perspective I'm happy to take those risks I'm, I, I'm happy to be the guinea pig my, my life's been dedicated to to 
try and improve life expectancy, to diagnose cancer and cancer uh, um, patients. And, and through our research, which has transformed melanoma, we want to transform other diseases. We've already done that for many other cancers, but not in brain cancer yet, but hopefully we will. I know that you've said, you know, there are risks. Your quality of the time you have left might be uh, reduced or it may shorten the time you have left. But others with glioblastoma or families of people with glioblastoma of your description may say... We don't care. We want to try it too, but yeah, they wouldn't so, be so able. They wouldn't be able to yes. at this point, though, would they? Yeah. So to put it in context, the problem with glioblastoma is it spreads peripherally, like like tree roots. It goes throughout your brain, so it's impossible to cut it all out or to cure it with local therapy. So we need to use therapies which can recognise your tumour cells but preserve your normal brain. And, and that's why immunotherapy is so attractive because it's teaching your body's immune system to recognize the cancer cells, but leave your normal brain cells alone. So ultimately what we want to see is clinical trials done of, of these therapies in brain cancer patients. And I know that some of my brain and, and, and this data is being shared with the world. And I know that people are excited about it and, uh, I, I'm sort of uh, aware that some biopharmaceutical companies have seen it and are very keen to open up some clinical trials for using immune-based therapies to imp try and improve outcomes. But ultimately, that is the path that we need to go down to improve things for future patients and ultimately test whether it really does work and make a difference. And clinical trials are a wee way away, I imagine. What would you say to yeah. people who say... Look, here I am, I've got glioblastoma now. I want what he's having. Well, it's 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 risky therapy and I think based on, you know, my knowledge of the of the field, it took a bit of work to to push the the oncology team on board to to do this and it was and that the doctors to be honest are scared of what the outcome might be for me, but it just doesn't feel right for me to not 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 try this to see if we can blow open the field and make things better for future patients who who suffer this wretched disease that that, that I've got. No. The other thing that you did was you got a personalised cancer vaccine um, specific to the tumour based on the yeah. RNA and the DNA. You're the first person to get a personalised brain cancer vaccine. Is that another form of the immunotherapy? Well, Kim, you, you've, you've nailed it. it so I'm, I'm the first person in the, in the world, as I understand it, to have a cancer vaccine with combination neoadjuvant immunotherapy. The idea of these vaccines is that um, that they're then then they're not like um vaccines that we have against infection so they're to prevent you getting an infection so um like um flu vaccination that you have or to to reduce the severity of infections or even like the cervical cancer vaccine to prevent you getting infection so what they are a, a, a way of stimulating the immune system against your cancer so for patients who've got cancer to try and help um, mop up or, or kill off cancer cells that you already have 
So what they're based on is based on the DNA and RNA from my cancer to try and stimulate the immune system further to recognize the immune system. And in fact, what happened, we were, we were developing and starting clinical trials of these um, therapies in melanoma before the COVID uh, epidemic hit the world. And what happened when that came about it was pivoted to to then develop RNA vaccines against COVID, and and now we've got things you know that um, a big effect on how how the COVID vaccination was uh, the COVID um, pandemic was brought under control, and now they're being back used again in in um, in cancer, and so yeah, that 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 no patient, as far as I'm aware, has ever had uh, a cancer vaccine together with neoadjuvant combination immunotherapy so your fingers crossed that'll also help to boost the immune system and fight the cancer and what's your latest test or assessment shown well it's too early really to tell whether there's an improvement in my clinical outlook um i've got a, in fact I've, i have lots of blood tests and and other tests to see if we can uh, monitor things but ultimately it will be uh, uh, scans that I have. I've got one book for, for next week to see if tumours come back. In, in fact, I've had a whole lot of other e experimental therapies. So one of the challenges with w what's called MRI scans, the sort of top-notch brain scans that we use to try and look for um, recurrent tumour, it can be really tough to tell apart treatment effects from radiotherapy and other treatments yeah. from recurrent tumours. So we thought, why don't we take some of my cerebrospinal fluid through a lumbar puncture and look for some molecular markers that might be able to help refine the the ability to, to use scans to um, determine whether whether you get recurrent tumour or it's the effects of treatment. But yeah, it hasn't panned out as well as we hoped at this stage, but we're still trying to develop new ways to try and improve um, monitoring of brain cancer to, to try and uh, affect um, recurrence. So I've had lots of needles in my back to try and um, do this. This is not part of standard therapy, but, yeah, just keen to make a difference for, for other patients. I mean, obviously, it's, they're throwing everything at you, and rightly so, but... How well, if I'm brutally honest, no, and Kim, I haven't had some of the normal... Um, the standard therapy for brain cancer just didn't sit right with me. So standard therapy that hasn't changed in 18 years and not for the subtype of glioblastoma I've got that's known as IDH wild type that's unmethylated with a whole range of other adverse prognostic features, yeah. it doesn't actually, the standard therapy doesn't do so much. So the chemotherapy that's usually given, you have surgery followed by radiotherapy and, and chemotherapy, then the chemotherapy continues on for, for six months. The chemotherapy would reduce the chances of immunotherapy being effective. Yeah. And, and, um, so it just didn't feel like the right thing to happen. So, yeah, so that's why I've gone down this different route of um, combination immunotherapy given before I had d d the definitive surgery. And will they know? I mean, I suppose everything will help if it helps. But will they know which bit was useful given that they've got lots of bits going on in the treatment? Well, there's clues from what we've already discovered in the neoadjuvant immunotherapy that 
immunotherapy has an effect on your brain. So before I had this done, people said, look, no, the drugs can't cross the blood-brain barrier. It's a really immunosuppressive tumour. And it is. It, 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 there's a, not very many lymphocytes or immune cells within the tumour before you start treatment compared to melanoma and lung cancer but we know in melanoma there's some patients who have an immunosuppressive tumor microenvironment and we've been able to prove that there's a massive increase in the number of immune cells within my tumor and this has excited the um the, the brain cancer neuro-oncology community and the biopharmaceutical industry so hopefully some clinical trials will start very soon so some definitive evidence can be proven whether this is effective for future brain cancer patients and and hopefully change the field. How's all this, I mean, how are you feeling in yourself? How is your health now? Yeah, to be honest, I'm I'm astounded that it hasn't affected me worse. Georgina Long, my my co-medical director, friend and and colleague, has treated more patients with immunotherapy than any doctor in the world. We pioneered this in in melanoma and we were involved in the first clinical trial. So, you know, she knows a bit about the side effects that are likely to to happen. And I haven't found it too too bad, to be honest. Um, You had a few fevers and vomiting and things during the start and, and um, yeah, knocked me about a bit, but not too bad. I still exercise every day. In fact, I just come back from doing a five k park run, um, you know, fun run, and um, I'm not as fit and as well as I no- normally am. But I ride my indoor bike or, or r- r- run, you know, every day. So I'm, you know, not too bad. But I'm not as fit as normal. I can't do the times that I could do previously. But you know, I'm still going to work each day and engage with various things but yeah i'm a bit more tired than normal um but yeah all things considered not going too badly you were very fit i mean there's no reason why people get cancer that you can think of the glioblastoma what you know is there a a rhyme or reason to this or is it just bad luck yeah just bad luck unfortunately there's many types of cancer yeah. that we know cause them like melanoma this the sun is the the biggest cause of melanoma and that's why for, for new zealand and australian populations as having the highest incidence of melanoma in the world it's very important that people follow sun sun smart um, behavior and yeah, we're doing a lot of work in that field because we want to see di- zero deaths from melanoma but for brain cancer no we don't know what the the cause is and i guess just to put it in context brain cancer is not just one disease there's different subtypes of it and there's subtypes which can be can be cured with different forms of of standard therapies but unfortunately for me i've got the worst of the worst so it doesn't pan out like that so just for your listeners don't don't think that this is the same all brain cancer is not the same it isn't and um yeah some can be cured with with um definitive treatment but yeah unfortunately for me that's not the case do you have to i mean i know that you've said that you're invigorated by the knowledge that might come from the treatment that you are being experimented on with but and you're probably trying to dissuade yourself of hoping that you might be cured but I guess yeah. there must be something in you that says, maybe this can happen. Maybe I can beat this. 
Yep. Yeah, well, absolutely. What you've said has nailed it, Kim. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm excited and and very proud to be honest of the data we've pr- produced already that is changing the field. But you know, it, it's it's early days. We don't know whether it's going to change my outlook. But if it could have been that there was no change in my brain tumor when it was um, debulked. Um, two weeks after I had um, neoadjuvant combination immunotherapy. And that's probably the most likely thing that I expected to see. So to see these incredible changes, it's unbelievable. It gives me some hope that that um, yeah, I've got a fighting chance. But, you know, to be yeah realistic, I, you know, no one really knows. It's too early days. So, yeah, I'm, yeah, hopeful, but, yeah, it's certainly not proven and... and it does have some danger associated with it, but yeah, like you know, I've seen these tumours, neoadjuvant immunotherapy and melanoma. We we've started. In fact, in Australia, um, Georgina and I um, put through a submission to our government after we'd proven that neoadjuvant immunotherapy is more effective than giving it after you chop the tumour out and melanoma out and then give the drug therapy. And we put a submission to the government body that funds um, um, f- funds patients to have therapies in, in all cancers, but, in, uh, but you know, it doesn't, not for my cancer, but in melanoma, that it's more effective. And the government's committee, what's called the PBAC over here, they looked at the data that we um, gave to them and, and, and approved it. And as I understand it, this is the first time this has happened in Australia, the non-pharmaceutical companies put in something that's been approved by the government. In fact, it improves the outcomes of melanoma patients and also sh- saves Australian taxpayers money because with neoadjuvant immunotherapy, some patients don't need to be given the drugs in melanoma longer term. So for for adjuvant therapy where it's given after surgery, um, it's not as effective and people have to be given it longer term. So, yeah, I'm very proud of that. And, uh, yeah, that, that this is what we've done. And, um, yeah, hopefully we can make a difference for, for brain cancer patients too. Huge goodwill for you here, Richard. Thank you so much for joining us. Richard Scolia, and best of luck for that scan next week. Fingers crossed, as you say, Richard Scolia is a melanoma pathologist who is now applying the breakthrough treatment that his team has brought to bear on melanoma cancers to his glioblastoma.